0: Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. So glad that you're here today. Good to see you. Uh, today we're in part two of our message series, Soul Momentum, where we're talking about what it takes to get some momentum back for our soul. Because look, the truth is, all of us at some time or another, we, we can feel spiritually stale. You know things just aren't fresh. There's just nothing exciting anymore. When we come to church, we just don't feel as close to God as we you know feel like we should. We just we just feel like there's some distance, and we, but you know we don't really know how to get it back. And so we need to gain some soul momentum. Or maybe if you have some good momentum going on, how do it? How does it that keep that momentum going? Well, that's what we're talking about. For this entire series, Um, and by the way, how many of you here last week for week one of the series? Let me see your hand. Were you here last week? One last week? Okay, good. That's like the most of the room. Uh, Last week we talked about three really important questions to answer to get your soul momentum going. So, how many of you that were here last week actually took the time and answered all three of those questions on your own? How many? How many of you did that? Uh, Okay, awesome. Like three. Fat. I can't tell you what that does for me as a pastor, really. It's awesome. All right, so go back and think about answering those questions, or if you, for whatever, if you missed last week, um, go catch it on the app or go catch it on the podcast. I'm telling you, God really will speak to you through it. Okay, so well, that brings us today because today we're going to talk about one of the questions that we asked last week, and one of the questions that will help us gain some soul momentum is this: What is my current word? What is my current word? And what I mean by that is, what is it that God has spoken to me recently? Now, that can sometimes be hard for people to understand, but the truth is God primarily speaks to us through the Bible. This is his primary way that he speaks to us. It's through the Bible. Now, a lot of people have a tough time reading the Bible, okay? Not because actually the words are tough to read, although there's a couple spots that may be a little bit tougher sledding than others, but... The real problem that people have with reading the Bible is they can't figure out, how does this apply to my current life? when When I read, what does it say about my current marriage? What does it say about parenting? What does this mean for choosing a career path? How do I deal with my aging parents? How do I deal with my parents at all? Why did God create mosquitoes? You know, those sorts of things. You know, can't figure out how this really applies. And that's really where most people get stuck. But I'm telling you what, in this current year, the Lord has showed me two things that have helped me so much in my own personal Bible reading. So that now when I sit down to read the Bible, when I put these two things into practice, I'm telling you, my own personal Bible reading has become so much richer. I get more out of reading the Bible now than I ever have. And I'm going to share these two things with you, plus an additional thing today. So you're going to get that as well. Because honestly, I think some people think that just because I'm a pastor, you know, that whenever I sit down to read the Bible, that somehow, like the presence of Jesus just comes and sits right there with me. And so there's like this holy glow in this aura. And so that whenever I finish reading the Bible, like I stand up and I have this glow on my face from heaven because it's been so amazing. Look, it's not even remotely close to that, okay? Most of the time for me, I'm just trying to focus on what I'm reading because there's always somebody in the background yelling like, dad, we need you. The dog's throwing up again. I'm like, That's my life, it feels like, okay? So how do I get the most out of reading the Bible? How do I hear God? Because look, here's the thing. It is impossible, it is impossible to hear from God if we don't connect with the one whom our souls were made for. And it's impossible to connect with the one our souls are made for if we don't hear what he has to say to us. And it's impossible to hear what he has to say to us if we don't read what he's written to us in a way that we can understand it. And so today, we're going to talk about how to do that. Because look, more than anything, God wants to speak to you. Okay, did you hear that? God wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to understand how he wants to guide you through this life. He wants to help you make the right decisions. God wants to speak to you, but we have to do our part. We have to listen, and we have to learn to listen the right way. And so part of listening is hearing him speak to us through the Bible. So today we're going to learn how to do that. So go ahead and pull out your message notes. Let's start by asking this question. How can I hear God through the Bible? How can I hear God through the Bible? Okay, three things. This is the first one that I want you to write down. Write this down. I need to remind myself, this is not just for me, it's about me. This is not just for me, it's about me. Now look, don't misunderstand. The Bible is actually about God and Jesus and how God and Jesus rescue us from sin. Okay, God and Jesus are the main characters. But this statement will help us hear from God as we read the Bible. See, part of the problem is that the truth is we approach the Bible completely wrong. We approach the Bible as if we are outsiders looking in. As if there's something that we're supposed to get out of it for ourselves. For instance, like we would read the story where Jesus talks about how the good shepherd leaves the 99 sheep and goes and looks for the one sheep that wandered off all by its own. And we read that story and we just go, oh, well, that's nice. I'm so glad that Jesus does that. That's great. And really, all people should do that. And so we make these broad generalizations about what what people should do. And we don't realize that it's, it's about us. We don't realize, I am the sheep that's gone astray. I'm the one that's wandered off. I need Jesus to come and look for me. I'm the one that is in desperate need of being found by him. And so that's my posture. See, I need to understand, the Bible's not just written for me. It is written about me. I am the one that is standing, uh, looking at the walls of Jericho, facing an impossible task. I am the one staring down Goliath, wondering if I should run or if I should fight. I am the woman at the well. I am the blind man in need of healing. I am the one who's fallen asleep in the garden of Gethsemane when I really should just be watching and praying. I need to understand the Bible's not just written for me, it is written about me. And I'm telling you, when I started reading the Bible like that this last year, really just the last few months, I'm telling you, it's changed things for me. For me, the Bible is way more real. It's become way more meaningful, deeper, richer, than it ever has before. Look, it's not because I have a seminary degree or because I'm a pastor. It's because I am reading the Bible like it's meant to be read. I think the best way to help you see this is to give you an example, show you, give you an example of how this works, okay? So um, let's look at the story of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, okay? Let's look at that story. It's in John chapter 11. Let me show you how to put this whole principle into practice. In John 11, verse 39, Jesus is talking. He says this. He says, take away the stone, because they had a stone that was covering the entrance to the tomb. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, and I want you to underline this, okay? Take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want you to underline that whole part right there. See, if I read this passage, not like it's for me, but like it's about me, I can quickly put myself in the shoes of Lazarus because the truth is, When I became a Christ follower in a very, very real way, I became alive in Christ. Because before Jesus, I was, the Bible says I was dead in my sin. And when I became a Christ follower, I became born again. You know, you've heard that term. I became born again. So I became spiritually alive. So I am a lot like Lazarus. And so to me, Jesus is saying to me, he's like, hey, take off the grave clothes. So what he's saying is all those old habits, all those things I used to do, all my old practices before I became a Christ follower, that's part of an old life that I'm dead to. I need to, I need to just remove that kind of stuff from, from my life because if I don't, I'm like walking around like I'm some kind of a tattered mummy and it looks ridiculous. And so as a Christian, if I still live like I'm not a Christian, I look ridiculous it's not what, I'm supposed to, what my life is supposed to look like. I need to take off the grave clothes and move on. That's when I read it like it's about me. Here's another little insight. If it's about me. Remember, when Jesus says take off the grave clothes, he's actually not even talking to Lazarus. He's talking to the other people there. So if I put myself in the story like it's about me, maybe Jesus is telling me that I need to help someone else take off the grave clothes. I need to help someone else change their habits. I need to help someone else make some changes in their life so that they can follow Christ better. See how that works? You see how you put this into practice? Because it's not just for me, like, it's about me. And so what I've started doing is when I sit down to read my Bible, literally, I say this out loud to myself because I'm, I'm having to retrain my way of thinking so i literally i sit down and i and i say to myself i say this is not just for me it's about me in fact i want us all to say that out loud together okay ready go this is not just for me it's about me i want you to say that when you sit down to read your bible i'm telling you it put you in the right frame of mind okay if you want to gain some soul momentum, you got to do a second thing. Here's number two. The second thing I want you to write down is this. And this is something I've, also, I've mentioned in a sermon before earlier this year, but I've also started doing. Number two is this. I need to pray, God, open my mind so I can understand the Scriptures. God, open my mind so I can understand the Scriptures. So before I read the Bible, in addition to saying it's not just for me, it's about me, I also pray a short one-sentence prayer. God, open my mind so I can understand the Scriptures. And that's actually a very biblical prayer. It comes straight out of the Bible. The setting is is that Jesus has already died and He's risen from the dead. He uh, materializes out of thin air in a locked room, and He appears to the disciples. And when He appears to the disciples, He basically tells them, that the entire Old Testament points to the fact that the Messiah has to die and then be risen again. But the disciples never got that from any of the scriptures. And then the Bible says this, in Luke 24, 45, it says, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. It's at this point that the disciples understood that the Old Testament did talk about how the Messiah had to be killed and then would rise again. But they'd never seen it before. And here's the crazy thing. These guys had studied these scriptures all their lives. The disciples, these guys grew up going to the synagogue as little kids. They grew up in church. All of them had heard the Old Testament taught and read their whole lives. None of the scriptures were new. They just hadn't understood them before. That's the situation they were in. They had read the words, but they didn't understand their meaning. That is, until Jesus opened their minds and they could understand the Scriptures. I'm telling you, we're in the same boat as the disciples. I mean, sometimes we can read the Scriptures and not understand their meaning. For instance, if some of you, if you've been to church before, if you've been like a church-going person or have read the Bible, you'll know this to be true. I mean, hasn't there been a time when you have heard something preached or heard something taught, and, and, and you're like, I know I have read that before. I know I have heard that before. I know I've studied that in a Bible study or a sermon before. I know that. But I never saw this. Like, I've never understood it like this. That's what I'm talking about. When God opens your mind, you can understand what the scriptures really mean. I'm telling you, it changes everything. If you want to hear God talk to you through the Bible, then you need to take a moment and you need to pray this simple one-sentence prayer. Why? Because I'm telling you. When our Heavenly Father's Father opens our mind, it changes everything. Like the disciples, I'm telling you, you might have studied the Bible your whole life. You might have gone to church your whole life. You might have had perfect attendance at church since the days of Moses, all right? You You might know every story in the Bible. But if you'll begin to pray this short one sentence prayer, I'm telling you, God will show you some things that you've never seen before. So I've started praying this, and I want to challenge you to do the same thing. So I have started praying, before I read the Bible, I've started praying, God, open my mind so I can understand the scripture. So I want us to all say that out loud together, okay? Ready? Go. God, open my mind so I can understand the Scriptures. Now, see, that wasn't hard, was it? So you can pray that one-sentence prayer before you sit down and read the Bible. Okay? All right. Third thing, number three. Here's the third thing you need to do is this. And this will really help you hear God through the Bible. Number three, really study the thing. I mean, really study the Bible. Really study it, okay? Look what the Bible says in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 20. Look at this encounter. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. That's Jesus and the Pharisees. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he said to them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, let's pause right there. Think about this scene for just a second, okay? Here's Jesus and he's standing there, and, and one of the teachers of the law comes to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, of all the commandments in all the Bible, which one is number one? Now, I'm going to give you a hint. In the Old Testament, which is all Jesus would have had available to him, there is not a single verse in the Old Testament that says, Oh, and hey, by the way, this is the most important commandment. That's not in there. So when Jesus is looking at all 39 books of the Old Testament, more than 900 chapters, I'm telling you, if that was me, somebody put me on the spot like that, and all I had was Old Testament, they said, hey, Mike, which one is the most important commandment? I would have been like, uh, I don't know. How about um, don't eat that apple? Maybe that one? Because, I mean, like all the problems started after the apple, right? So that's probably what I would have gone with. But that's not what Jesus, oh good, a few of you just got that. That's good. Um, but that's not what Jesus says. Look what he says here. He says this. He says, the most important one, Answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's, he's quoting a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus gives the guy a little bonus information here, okay? He says, there is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And so, Jesus got the answer right. Now, no, know you're, you're probably sitting there going, well, duh, of course he got it right. It's Jesus. All right. You know what? I'll give you that. But think about this. How did the other guy know that was the right commandment? How did the teacher of the law know? Because look, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. He wasn't following Jesus at all. How did he know that that was the right answer? I'll tell you. Because he studied it. He only, the only reason he knew is because he had studied the Bible. He'd studied the thing. I mean, ever since he was a little kid, growing up in church, he had studied the Bible and he loved it so much that he eventually decided to go into the ministry himself that's how he knew and by the way we also know that jesus actually did study the bible because i don't know if you realize this jesus was not born with all the knowledge of the universe in his head okay there was not some sort of like divine download into jesus jesus had to study the bible we know from the bible it says that jesus went to the synagogue when he was a little boy and studied and heard the scriptures that were taught The Bible says in Luke 2, 52, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. I mean, how would you grow in it if you already know everything? So Jesus grew, and he studied. Now, was it easier for Jesus? And, like, did he retain it better than all of us? Uh, Probably so. All right, I'll give him that. But here's my point. Jesus and the teacher of the law, they studied the Scriptures. They study them. And that's what we have to do too. Not just read it, not just hear it taught in church. We got to study the thing, okay? Then the question becomes how? Well, let me give you two quick ways, and these are your bullet points, okay? The first way how is, not the first way how. The first way to study it is to purchase a Bible study over a book of the Bible. And they don't have to be big and it doesn't have to be some super difficult thing. I brought a couple of them here with me too. And so look, you know, I mean, they're pretty thin. They're not, not, too, not too heavyweight. The first one is uh, over, the, over the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. These are two really great books of the Bible. Um, they kind of go together, so that's what this study does. And then there's another one. This is a study over the book of Hebrews, uh, also a fabulous study. It's a book of the New Testament. And so look, if you're familiar with the Bible and you want to buy some of these online, Go buy one online and start working your way through it. If you're not very familiar with the Bible, you might want to go to the Christian bookstore, go to Lifeway, and go and look at the Bible studies, thumb through them, and pick one that looks good for you. But go get a Bible study and start working your way through it, okay? Second thing that you can do is this, and this is your next bullet point. Join a small group. Join a small group. Look, if you've been going to the park for a while, like you knew this was coming, right? Yeah, you knew it was coming. But look, just because you know it was coming doesn't make it any less important. It's important. You need to join a small group. Because probably one of the best ways to study the Bible is to get in a small group, especially a small group that studies a book of the Bible. Okay? Now, other small groups are, they study a topic. And that's also very beneficial because what they do is they take the verses of the Bible that are you know throughout the whole thing that deal with that topic. So they're both studying the Bible, but just a completely different approach. But you need to get in a small group and really study the Bible. It's key to your spiritual growth. If you want to hear God speak to you, that's the way to do it. And look, next Sunday, next Sunday, is the first Sunday that you can sign up to be in a small group for the fall semester. It kicks off next week. So, and we've got a you know, kind of big announcement about that when we get to the end of the service today. Pastor Will's going to share that with you. But sign up for a small group. And look, and not just yourself, but you need to sign up your kids and your teenagers too. Because, look, remember, the teacher of the law and Jesus, they studied the Bible when they were kids. They studied the Bible when they were young. And that is what made the difference for them. It'll make be the same for you and your kids. So you need to make sure that your teenagers and your kids are in a small group. And our kids' ministry and our youth ministry have changed curriculums. So now the curriculum we're, we're, they're going to be using this year it has more focus on Bible study than, any, than ever before. I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great fall semester. So get them signed up. Get yourself signed up into a small group for this fall semester. Because look, here's the, here's the deal. At some point in your life, you have to get past just hearing the Bible taught on Sunday. I'm just going to be honest with you. At some point in your life, you have to move past just hearing the Bible taught in church on a Sunday. Because it's not enough. Look, I I love preaching. Like I love this part, and it's important, and it's good, but like I know that if you're really going to grow towards spiritual maturity, you have to study the Bible on your own. Sunday morning is just not enough. It's just not enough because look, Jesus did not die on the cross so you could go to church. That's not why he died. Jesus died on a cross so you can have a relationship with God. And that relationship ought to extend more than just an hour or maybe two on a Sunday morning. That relationship is active all, all day, every day, during the week. And the only way to really nourish that relationship, the only way to hear from God in that relationship is to hear what he has to say through the Bible. And so that's why reading it is so important because God will use this to help you make decisions, help you guide you through life. It will help answer the questions you've been wanting guidance on for oh, so long. So you have to start reading this thing on your own because that is a part of your relationship with God. Now look, every relationship has a starting point. And a relationship with God is no different. It has a starting point. And we've made it easy for you to find that starting point. That starting point is asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and commit to follow him. Have you ever done that before? If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and follow him, then you can do that today. You need to pray the prayer that it's in your worship guide. Take a moment. I want you to pray it right now. But look, if you've already prayed it before at some point in time in your life, you need to hear this, okay? God wants to speak to you. Our Heavenly Father, more than anything, He wants to speak to you. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to know what He knows because He wants the best for you in your life. More than anything, He wants to speak to you. But in order to hear Him, you have to listen. And the best way to listen is to listen to Him through the Bible by doing the things that we've talked about today. Because I'm telling you, that will help you gain such great soul momentum moving forward. It'll be huge. And make sure that you're here next week, because next week, we're going to talk about how God uses small group to help you gain some momentum in your life, in the life of your kids, and the life of your teenagers. It's going to be awesome. So bow your head, close your eyes, let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person listening today that wants some soul momentum in their life, that wants things to be more than what they are. And so, Lord, I ask that as they sit down to just try this, to just try reading their Bible a little bit this week, God, I ask that you would meet them there and that you would reveal yourself to them in that moment. Because I know that you want to speak. I know that you want to draw us close to yourself. So I ask that you would meet us in that moment and let our time with you become richer, more meaningful, deeper than ever before. And so um, I ask that you would do that. And I also ask that you would bring us back next week because I know you have some great things you want to say to us then too about how to gain and maintain our soul momentum. And so I pray all of this in the great name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.